another episode of Teen Titans Wasteland. We've got a really fun episode coming up for you. I hope you're going to like it. What have I been up to lately? Oh, nothing much. Only coming up with the greatest pun ever known to man. A little backstory. I'm currently working at a movie theater that sells uh, beer and pizza. It's rad. It's called the Laurelhurst Theater. You should come down. It's in Portland. It's great. One of the advantages of working there is that we get to come up with different uh, pun names for the pizza pies that we serve. Generally trying to incorporate a actor that is in one of the movies or the title of one of the movies. And perhaps an ingredient from the pizza. So, recently, two of the movies that we are showing are Bridge of Spies, featuring one Tom Hanks, and the biopic about Steve Jobs that's called Steve Jobs. We had a pizza the other day that was topped with black olives, pineapple, and ham. So I came up with the proposed title for this pizza pie, T. Hanks, for Olive, the Sweet Ham Jobs. Boom! Game changer. You're welcome. Sure. Would it have been a better pun if Tom Hanks had been in the movie Steve Jobs? Of course. Would the Steve Jobs movie have been better if Tom Hanks were in the Steve Jobs movie as Steve Jobs? Yes. Would Apple be a better company? if Tom Hanks had invented the Apple computer and supplanted Steve Jobs as the president of Apple computers? Of course it would. Do I enjoy the literary device of asking myself questions and then answering them? Yes, I do. Did I get this technique by listening to too much of The Kid Stays in the Picture on tape by Robert Evans? Naturally, I did. Am I tired of doing this? No, I am not. Am I tired of doing it now? Still no. Do you think I'll stop anytime soon? You'd think so, wouldn't you? Will I stop now? No, I will not. Will I stop doing it now? Still no. Will I edit any of this out? Probably not. Have I had too much coffee and maybe some alcohol? Clearly I have. All right, enough of that malarkey. (laughs) And by enough, I mean entirely too much, and I'm sorry, and thank you so much for indulging me. Today's synopsis song was submitted by Zane Kipfmiller. Thanks, Zane. Upset you can't read any Aqualad quips? There's only one thing that you'll never miss, and it's this really rad synopsis. Had a little trouble with the meter on that one? But thank you so much, Zane. We are a little bit out of order with this one. Came out in May of 1969. It's not from the Teen Titans regular title. It is their appearance in The Brave and the Bold. So, The Brave and the Bold, number 83. May 1969. Written by Bullet Bob Haney. Drotted by Neil Adams. Cover art by Irv Novick. Punish not my evil son. Teen Titans roll call. Speedy. Robin. Wonder Girl. Kid Flash, featuring Batman. Am I saying that right? Is it Batman? It's Batman, right? Our story begins, as most tales of heroism do, in a corporate boardroom. Zenith Oil is losing money because somewhere between the oil pumps in Texas and the refinery in Gotham, millions of gallons of oil are going missing. Seems like that would be pretty easy to spot. Also seems like some shitty refinery placement. One member of the board, a yelly asshole named Grantland Stark, demands that the chairman of the board get to the bottom of this malarkey. I don't think I like Grantland Stark's attitude. 
but I do like his name, Grantland. Fortunately, the chairman of the board happens to be Bruce Wayne, who, spoiler alert, is Batman, and he and Robin are on the case. As soon as the meeting ends, the dynamic duo starts snooping around the oil pipeline that apparently runs from Texas to Gotham. They soon spot a suspicious-looking dude in coveralls and decide to follow him down a hatch. Good call. What could be more suspicious than wearing coveralls around an oil refinery? There's a reason he's called the world's greatest detective. Anyway, Batman ends up getting trapped in the oil pipe and stolen along with the oil. When the Cape Crusader frees himself from the purloined petroleum, he finds himself aboard an oil tanker and surrounded by seafaring scumbags. He fights off the oil jackers and is handling them easily until he runs afoul of his greatest weakness, a dude with a big wrench. Said dude bonks him on the noggin, and the newly unconscious crusader tumbles into the ocean. His assailants assume he will drown and sail off laughing. Foolish assailants, you know what they say, when you assume, Batman escapes and eventually arrests you. The oil-soaked superhero is surprisingly buoyant and is soon spotted by Robin from the Batcopter, and the two head home to stately Wayne Manor to nurse their wounds. Upon arriving home, thankfully in their civilian duds, Bruce and Dick find a tow-headed freckled jerkwad named Lance Bruner waiting for them. Lance is wrecking a bunch of Bruce's shit and sassing Alfred the butler something fierce. When Bruce asks what gives, Lance launches into a sob story. Turns out that Lance's dad, Professor Bruner, and Bruce's dad, Thomas Wayne, were best pals, and that at some point, Thomas signed a contract saying that if anything happened to the curiously first nameless professor, then the Wayne family would raise his son. Shame there wasn't any mention of reciprocity there. I don't recall the professor showing up when Bruce found himself fresh out of dad's. Lance goes on to explain that the professor was recently killed right in front of him, and now Bruce has to honor his dad's contract. Bruce is cool with that because he's super into adopting teenagers, but Dick points out quite astutely that Lance seems like a real turdbag. Despite his misgivings, Dick agrees to take Lance under his wing. Lance settles into the Wayne household and starts turding it up big time, stealing money from his new dad and vandalizing a police motorcycle. Dick takes the rap for his new brother's shenanigans, and Bruce wonders why Dick is being that shitty. World's greatest detective. Lance decides to tag along with Bruce Wayne to the Zenith boardroom, where Grantland Stark wants to know why Bruce hasn't found the missing oil yet. Back the fuck off, Grantland. Man, that guy's the most arrogant, wealthy industrialist named Stark I have ever seen. While the rest of his family is at the boardroom, Robin is at the Teen Titans' secret lair, having a meeting of his own. He confides in his teammates about what a duplicitous asshole Bruner is. The Titans agree to hang out with Bruner in their civilian identities and try to be a good influence on the delinquent turd. That night, the incognito Titans take Bruner to a rock club, but he calls them nerds and disses them to hang out with a mobster. What an asshole. The next day, Bruce Wayne receives a note claiming that Lance has been kidnapped, demanding $50,000 in ransom. He agrees to pay because he probably has $50,000 sitting in his couch cushions, but finds it a little bit suspicious when immediately after his release, Lance deposits $25,000 in his bank account. Lance explains that he just kind of had that money for some completely unsuspicious reason. That sounds reasonable to Bruce, because, you know, world's greatest detective and all. Then, some guy from the state correction department shows up and informs Mr. Wayne that Lance is a runaway from reform school who has an extensive criminal record. He also makes the rather extraordinary claim that Professor Bruner died of a broken heart because of what a piece of shit his son was. Damn, I'd like to see the autopsy on that. A tearful Lance admits that it's all true, and that furthermore, he orchestrated his own abduction and split the ransom money with his purported kidnappers. Shocking. Lance begs his billionaire benefactor to give him another chance. 
He claims that there were deep-seated sociological reasons for his being a delinquent, in a speech that is oddly reminiscent of the Officer Krupke song from West Side Story. Possibly because he remembers what a dope song that is, Bruce Wayne is swayed and convinced of Lance's desire to reform. The Teen Titans, who, true to form, have been eavesdropping on the conversation, are somewhat less than convinced. Over the next few days, while Lance is making a big show out of doing a bunch of good deeds, the Titans team up with Batman to investigate the missing oil mystery, but with limited success. They uncover the cryptic clue to find the tall one from Texas, but little else. Unfortunately, while Dick and Bruce were out of the house, Lance did a little investigating of his own and discovered the Batcave. Quickly deducing that Bruce and Dick are really Batman and Robin, Lance decides to use that information to his advantage. In the 15 minutes that he spent at a Zenith oil board meeting, Lance determined that Stark was behind the missing oil. Once again, world's greatest detective. The turdbag teen meets with Stark and agrees to deliver the dynamic duo into his clutches in exchange for the rather paltry sum of $100,000. When the Caped Crusaders figure out that the tall one from Texas refers to an oil derrick owned by Stark, Lance eavesdrops on their conversation. See, he did learn something from the Titans after all, and informs Stark that the trusting twosome are on their way in the Bat-Sub. The delinquent douche follows behind in a speedboat so they can watch his benefactors get murdered up close. What an asshole. When they reach the drilling platform, the costumed crime fighters are pulled from the water with a giant magnet and captured by Stark and his goons. Oh, giant magnets. Where would comic book villains be without you? Despite being surrounded by heavily armed thugs, Stark decides that the most efficient way to kill Batman is to shoot him with a high-pressured air hose. Robin heroically throws himself in front of the menacing air blast intended for his mentor. He is knocked off the platform and presumed dead by both Stark and a now-enraged Batman. Seems like Robin being killed was the signal that the Titans were waiting for to reveal their presence and rescue Batman. Dang, guys. I know Robin can be kind of a dick, but that's cold. The Titans swing into action and start punching the shit out of Stark's goons. After the scuffle begins, Grantland sneaks off and tries to flee the pugilism-prone crime fighters on Lance's speedboat. As he speeds off, Batman manages to attach a bat rope to the back of the boat and angrily water skis after the murderous board member. Finally climbing aboard the vessel, a furious Batman is confronted by a gun-wielding Stark. The criminal's effort to murder the Batman is once again thwarted by Robin, who appears from below deck and is gunned down by a terrified Stark. Wow, guess that's the end of Robin. Although, after punching the fuck out of a distracted Grantland Stark, Batman notices that something seems off about his dying protege. Since when did Robin have blonde hair and freckles? I'll just say it one last time. World's greatest detective. It turns out that the air blast that seemed to kill Robin only knocked him out and pushed him onto Lance's boat. Seeing Dick make the ultimate sacrifice for his father figure finally got through to the troubled teen and made him want to be a better person. Hooray! He explains that he switched clothes with Robin and decided to help out. Ah, Then he dies. You know, from all the bullets. Bruce builds a little statue in his backyard to honor Lance's memory, or at least the memory of the last 20 seconds of Lance's life when he wasn't a total piece of shit. Aww. At least Bruce Wayne can take some solace in the fact that this is surely the last time a juvenile delinquent that he adopts will get killed while wearing a Robin costume, right? Right? And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Cory. Cory! You're not Cory! I'm not. Explain yourself. Oh, who, me? Uh, I'm Nicholas Prom, your friend. 
That's true. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey is off in Atlantis babysitting Aqua Baby for the time being. Before uh, he gets murdered by the Black Manta. Oh, damn. Spoilers, dude. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. It's okay. In his stead is the more than capable Nicholas Prom. And I should mention that when Corey does return, he will probably be downgraded to my good for some things, brother. <laughs> Nicholas, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Hub. Uh, Nicholas hosts a wonderful podcast called Comic Reflections, which you should all check out. It's delightful. Well, thanks. So, what'd you think? Well, I enjoyed this issue of Teen Titans. Or, well, this issue of Brave and the Bold. Right. I was a little disappointed as coming in, I thought, Brave and the Bold, oh, gonna have Jim Apero art. Ah. But Neil Adams is a good second fiddle to him. <laughs> Pretty deep. <laughs> Pretty, Pretty good. decent filling. He's all right. Yeah. You know, uh, I've met Neil. You've met Neil. Very briefly, yes. Neil's a great guy. He is also nuts. That is true. Bums me out. That he's crazy, but the you know I like, kind of wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, I mean he's the fun kind of crazy. Like yes. he's not like Frank Miller, like jerk face crazy. No, no, no. He's not evil crazy. Yeah, he's mad scientist, but in a good way crazy. He thinks that the Earth is expanding. Sure, why like, not? Maybe he read too much of Mike Grell's, uh, you know, uh, Warlord stuff and thought it was real. Was the Earth expanding in that? I thought it was just hollow. Just hollow, but I think the Earth expanding and the Earth... Like, maybe it heats up because it's uh, near... Like, like the Earth's core is pretty hot. Because Inner Scartaris is pretty warm this time of year. Sure, sure. Yeah, and so, naturally, it would expand a little bit balloon-like. I guess that would make sense. Also, uh, in a Thelucidar way, like in the Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yes, I was just going to say that. I was thinking Pelucidar and Scartaris. I'm like, to me, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lumping them in with... The hollow earth people and, and, so and expanding racist. earth people. I know. What a son of a bitch. Mm. Uh, conflagrating is what your I'm doing. Your Scartarians and your Pellucidarians. Yeah. Totally different. Gosh. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. That's okay. You know, but, uh, I'm so, working on that and my neutral pronouns. You know, I'm getting there. You you'll, know, you'll, different things. You'll get there. Well, you know, we're all growing up. That's it's right. important. So you're actually probably more familiar with... Bronze Age Batman than I am because I have relatively little familiarity with him. Oh. How in keeping with how Batman is portrayed at the time is Bob Haney's Batman? Well, <laughs> Bob Haney, as you know, just kind of does whatever the fuck he wants. In, and that's what I love and about old so, bullet Bob. Yeah, it's so incongruous with any kind of continuity. Um, but it's kind of fun. I, I mean, you won't get comics like this unless they're really bad anthology backup that are just throwaway. Yeah. Uh, any, I mean, in modern comics. Right. And so this is high quality, like, not giving a fuck. Nice. And I feel like that's something that Haney and Adams have in common in their writing styles. Yeah. It, it's just kind of like a full steam ahead, whatever the fuck I want is what's going to happen. Yeah. Which I, I really enjoyed. It was weird for me to see Batman cracking wise while fighting. Like yeah. almost Spider-Man style wisecracking. And I was like, that's not Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading, a, I think, a bomb Haney written Brave and the Bold where uh, Batman fought Eclipso, which is awesome because Batman and Eclipso were in a story together. Sure. With art by, uh, what's the artist who did uh, Night Nurse? Oh, shit. Winslow Mortimer. Oh, yes. Win Mortimer. Love that guy. He did a bunch of Superman art, right? Um, He did some Superman art. Mostly covers, I think. Okay. Kind of when Nick Cardi wasn't doing them. (laughs) Win Mortimer. Oh, he also did the Battle of the Planets comics at... Gold Key. Oh, nice. Yeah. I have not read any of those. I um, vaguely remember the cartoon. Uh, a lot of uh, 
duck bills on yeah 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 on spacesuits. But yep. yeah, good look. Yeah. What a so, weird tangent. What I was going with Batman's dialogue in that story with the versus Eclipso. Okay. As drawn by Win Mortimer. It's like totally not like Batman talks. Okay. Like really kind of hip lingo. In keeping with that, <laughs> is Batman, as he is written then, usually this gullible and dumb? Really? I mean, 70s Batman is kind of refreshing in, like, a lot of David V. Reed written stories are like, oh, someone can actually get the drop on him. He's not the Grant Morrison Bat God, which is fucking stupid. Okay. He's a person who can make mistakes. Even though he's the world's greatest detective, he can still get captured and not have every fucking plan in the world. One thing I kept getting back to in this, and you probably noticed it in the synopsis, but I wrote it down in my notes, too, is just world's greatest detective. He is a terrible detective in this city. <laughs> yeah, he really is. He's really, really bad. Everybody, Lance has him so duped. And I understand yeah. there's some emotional backstory there. There's some content that he has. So, okay, here's Lance's story. Yeah. His dad, Professor. Yeah. Which, do you think Professor was his first name? I don't know. Why would you, if it's somebody who's a friend of Thomas Wayne, does he have to be have a title? Because if they're family friends, you'd think you'd be a little more familiar. But... No, he's only referred to as Professor Bruner, um, <laughs> which I think maybe it could be laziness on Haney's part, but Haney is so good at first names that I am choosing to believe that his first name is actually Professor. Okay. Uh, much like Jim Kelly's character in Three the Hard Way, his first name was Mr. Oh, because yeah. his mama wanted him to be treated with respect. Or there was a football player a few years ago named Lawyer Malloy, yeah. whose mom wanted him to be a lawyer. I'm wondering if they just named him Professor. I don't know. Because all we know about him is that he goes off on adventures a lot yeah. and leaves his son at home when he does, and that he was best friends with Thomas Wayne. Okay. So he's best friends with Thomas Wayne, and they make a pact. If anything happens to the professor, then the Wayne family takes care of the son. Yeah. Here's what's weird about the timing on The timeline is all fucked the up. The timeline is crazy on that because Bruce remembers holding young Lance as a baby. Say Bruce is, what, two or three and able to hold a baby? He at, can't hold a baby. At the youngest. He's not a trained athlete when he's two or three. Okay. Four, five, yeah. six? Yeah. And, okay, but Bruce's parents are dead when he's like... Seven, right? Seven to ten between there. Right. So all, automatically that so doesn't that, work. Well, unless... Robin is just, like, five or six years older. I mean, unless Batman is just, like, five or six years older than Robin and Lance. Which... Which is weird. If you think of, like, a dude in his mid-twenties adopting a teenage boy... It so just doesn't work at all. It doesn't work, except for... He is super rich. Yeah. So, certain laws, you know, you let shit slide. At this time, I know Bruce Wayne is perpetually 29, but none of it fucking works at all. <laughs> yeah. Like that was confu- That was a little bit confusing. Also, Lance is such a piece of shit. God, that's what I wrote in my notes. Like, God, this key is a piece of shit. He's such a smarmy little... I, what I wrote down is Eddie Haskell. Because yeah. he's totally an Eddie Haskell type. And just like a total suck up who's just an evil fuck. You know what else I wrote in my notes? I said that he was the mirror, mirror version of Jimmy Olsen. Oh, I get that. I think in part we're swayed by the freckles in that. Yeah. But... And wouldn't the mirror, mirror one have a goatee instead of freckles. Yeah. But I think in this sense, because he's a teenager... Yeah. Um, he toe, couldn't grow toe, a goatee. Toe-headed is sweat, uh, traded for red hair. Okay. So it's just a hair color switch. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I. It, he's definitely got, like... 
it's something about the freckles in the DC comic. He's got a he's got a Jimmy Olsen vibe. Yeah, and he inconsistently from panel to panel has freckles and does not. Yeah, that may have been a makeup thing because he's a he's a shifty kid. Yeah, um, shifty is yeah yeah. I, right. I was having some trouble with that. Before I had trouble with that, though, I had trouble with a couple of things. First of all, the name of the company, Zenith Oil. Yeah. They, Zenith, apparently they make televisions and oil. And are a catering company that Bob Haney had used previously in issue five of the Teen Titans. Ooh, okay. If you are evil and you are have a controlling interest in a company, that company is named Zenith. Okay. Because it was the shitty, evil uh, <laughs> mobster Jerry Arbach. Who was uh, blackmailing the ant? The Jerry Orbach? Well, he looked like Jerry. Orbach. He looked like Jerry Orbach. Okay, and so I called him shitty, evil Jerry Orbach. I love it. Um, was blackmailing the ant, who was a guy with whose parents were both in the circus, therefore he had super circus powers. I guess. Got it. Um, okay. But his company was called Zenith too. So I'm wondering if maybe in the DC universe, when you name your company, it is alphabetical by the board members' morality. Okay, and so that if it, if it is Zenith, it is then the that bottom means of the, you are the a real shit heel. Okay, that is in charge of that company. Ooh, I love the word shit heel. You don't hear that too much anymore. No, you do if you talk to me. Got to bring it back. All I'm right. doing my best. Yeah. So so there's a thing. There's also the fact that the pipeline, the oil is pumped in Texas, yeah, and then refined in Gotham City. Okay, <laughs> that seems incredibly inefficient. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. What I was able to come up with as a potential reason. Was that maybe Gotham City? Gotham is, is super corrupt. We know that about. How it. do we know that Gotham isn't in the Gulf of Mexico or near there? It's Eastern Seaboard. It just oh, is. okay. It's, it's gotta be. I it's know it's. Totally I know it's, York, seaboard. It's, it's New York City. Yeah. So it has to be at least kind of near New York City, right? I definitely got like it's it's a like New York or New Englandy. Yeah. yeah, but. We do know about Gotham that since the Waynes died, that place has been super corrupt. Word. So I think maybe it just has super relaxed EPA standards <laughs> and probably a bunch of tax loopholes that people have been exploiting. And so for whatever reason, it is actually cheaper for them to run an oil refinery in Gotham City, in city limits, it's than sense. it would be in Texas, even taking into account... That you have to ship all the oil there from Texas or pipe it in in a super long pipeline that I got to believe people protested and refine it that way. Okay. So that's what I was able to come up with. Maybe people are too, you know, are like so worried about Joker venom and things like that, that the oil pipeline is not a major concern. Oh man, I bet the Joker has been a scapegoat for like the real criminals in Gotham. Well, you know. The corporate criminals. Well, you know how in the news when like. Some bullshit news story is happening, and you know this is covering up, like, so people aren't paying attention to something really Yeah, that's serious. what supervillains are in the DC universe. Yeah. The real villains are the white-collar villains. Yeah. They're the ones that are really hurting people. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, Luthor's stealing the world's popular... Uh, okay, Luthor is an exception, gold, because Luthor but... is a white-collar criminal, okay. who is also a supervillain. Well, I guess I'm thinking Silver Age Luthor. Who's a little more wacky supervillain? Okay. And like, I'm going to use a giant robot that cost a million dollars to steal fifty thousand dollars from a bank. Yeah. Speaking of fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> dude, Lance is after small potatoes, considering that the Wayne fortune is what he seeks to inherit. Oh yeah. I don't know why he even bothered having, uh, what's his name, Grantland. How the fuck could I forget Grantland? Great name, Grantland Stark. Grantland Stark. Why he bothered having Grantland Stark pay him anything? Because if Grantland Stark kills Bruce Wayne at that point, 
Well, El, little Eddie Haskell fuck stands to inherit the entire Wayne fortune. And to Grant- which $100,000 is nothing. Yeah. Also, Grantland's reputation in the underworld would be supreme. Oh, yeah. No, he would be doing great. He all- he already is doing great. Haney yeah. addresses and then glosses over how little motivation Grantland has. He's on the board of this oil company, Zenith Oil. And then he's stealing from that oil company and giving the oil to his other oil company that he's on the board of. Yeah. That seems like a total wash. And when it is brought up to him, he's just like, yeah, well, you know, I just do it for fun. Yeah, like he did it just because he could? Just because it's evil. What's this fucking, like, what? It's so flimsy. Yeah. And why? Usually people do these things out of greed or some reason. He's just an evil hobbyist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think, like, Batman, even if, like, like, his parents weren't murdered and stuff... The Idle Rich as a superhero, that's an, a nice fantasy thing. Yeah. But the Idle Rich as supervillain... Makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It's the super rich equivalent of being a cutter, I think. Yeah. It's just like, he just wants to feel something. But if I was an Idle Rich supervillain, I would have a crazy costume, like Kronos' costume. He really does drop things off. I mean, he's got a great name. He's Grantland Stark. He's a yeah. wealthy industrialist whose last name is Stark. Seems like he is screaming out for a gaudy costume of some kind. Yeah. And he, he does kind of drop the ball. None of the villains have costumes in this. Kind of disappointing. Yeah. I, I love a colorful costume. Well, none of them have costumes until the very end when he stops being a villain and Lance dons the Robin gear. Yeah. And is immediately murdered. <laughs> yeah. I have some notes on just to go as we go through. Yeah. What um, you got? There's some fun. Page one, panel one. So Wayne is the chairman of the board. Yes. So he's Batman and Frank Sinatra? <laughs> yeah. A different chairman of the board, but yeah. Okay. No, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from there. And it is confusing. Uh, yeah. He does have... I mean, I believe Frank Sinatra would definitely be considered a millionaire playboy. Yeah. So there is some overlap when there. When Bruce is, you know, pretending and, like, doing his jet-set lifestyle, he probably comes across Frank. Oh, I think there is no doubt that he he gets a distinctly Rat Pack vibe, especially like early '60s Rat Pack. I'm, I'm definitely getting like that's probably what Wayne is going for in the ruse. I think he's probably going for more of a Dean Martin vibe. Well, Dean they, and Frank, I mean, they're not interchangeable, and and the difference, and the I think it is a valuable oh. one, is that there, there's a quote from the uh, fabulous uh, biography of Dean Martin called Dino, in which it is described that Frank always wanted to be a gangster. The gangsters always wanted to be Dean Martin. Yeah, I like that. And I, I feel like it's true. That's that's pretty great. Yeah. Frank did end up on Magnum P.I., though. That's true. Yeah. Martin ended up in uh, the original Cannonball Run. Oh, yes. To wash. Yeah, yeah. Granted, they were both in the sequel, but, you know. Yeah. On page three, when Batman fights uh, these thugs yeah. with the crowbars. And one of them takes him out with a wrench, like lickety split. Yeah, but uh, I notice uh, Batman, he said, what does he say that... Uh, uh, my one uh, weakness mizzen mast oh those those top those uh, crowbars are telling me uh, that you mean business or something like that that's I, I noticed that I think that's when he starts like he thinks a welcoming committee and those crowbars say they don't like stowaways so now we learn that Batman does have a superpower he has a psychic rapport with talking crowbar where does it imply that they oh the crowbars say that the, yes yeah, yeah okay I gotcha. It, that is followed by the first instance that we see of Batman sassing as he fights, which yeah. really seemed a to- like a little bit tone deaf to me. As he's fighting all of these, 
I guess pirates would be a fair def- description of them. Uh, he says, shouldn't you be mizzening the mainmast or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice piece of uh, of sea time gibberish, yeah, but which ba- I appreciate, but that's not yeah. Batman. But Batman post-Infantino, the banter is not... It doesn't ring true for him. No, and I, I feel like Bat- Silver Age Batman is definitely more fun. Yeah. But still doesn't have a sense of humor. Yeah. I, I feel like Batman, one of Batman's defining characteristics is him not really having a sense of humor unless it is occasionally a very dry sense of humor. The only time Batman cracking wise works is going back to the 50s with the Dick Sprang mailbox head Batman. You know gotcha. what I'm talking about? I do, I do know what you're talking okay. about. Batman having a very dry sense of humor, I think, works a little bit in the uh, Giffen Dematius uh, late 80s Batman as okay. well. Okay, okay. Um, but that's oh, more in reaction, the, and it is a super, like, he's he's like basically Bob Newhart type of humor. <laughs> I know. Wow. Where it's just like super I, slow burn. I never would have linked the two. It's kind of tenuous. I, I mean, <laughs> definitely Batman has exudes a bit more confidence than Bob Newhart does. Uh, but it's a similar, a like, <laughs> very dry slow burn. Oh, man. On page four, this this is contender for my uh, uh, panel of the issue, is okay. Robin Smirk on the bottom of page four of this story. Which is, is what great. is he smirk, smirking about at that um, point? And he's smirking about, like, somebody... It's kind of weird. Because it's like Bruce has done something nice for somebody. Oh, yeah. No, he is smirking, if memory serves, actually. I, I remember this one. He is smirking and saying, like, Mad Bruce. And he never even tells anybody that he donates all of the money that's that he it. makes from Zenith to charities. Yeah. <laughs> like, But you went ahead and told us. I feel like that's Haney smirking at himself. Yeah. I mean, I guess he didn't draw it. Yeah. Maybe it's Adam smirking at Haney. <laughs> yeah. Did it also feel like the Titans kind of showed up out of nowhere? They showed up out of nowhere, and frankly, I hate to say it, they didn't really contribute a lot to the story. No. Man, Speedy didn't do shit. Nah, he fired some arrows out of the helicopter, and he flew the helicopter. Yeah, but my excuse Um, for him is maybe he was a little dope sick. I wondered about that, and that actually ties (laughs) into one thing that I did want to bring up, which is this is the first time we see, and I don't know if this carries over and is canonical, that the Teen Titans... No, not just... I mean, I guess they would be able to piece it together, but they know that Bruce Wayne is Batman and that Dick Grayson is Robin. Fucking with Haney, everybody knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> Amorpho and Plastic Man know he's Batman for no reason, like, and no... It was not established prior. But they just Speedy know. especially, knowing that he is Batman, is especially problematic when you get the idea that within, like, a year of this coming out, he is dope battled. Yeah. And I picture there being some kind of a story that is similar to the born again daredevil storyline where Christ. Speedy yes. is the Karen Page right. and totally sells out Batman's identity and Not makes to himself mention a Green fucking Arrow. Bank. Yeah. And, and also, man, Wayne Manor's got to have better security because they can yeah. listen to all the conversations in their basement rumpus room through an air vent. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fucked up. Lance is... The Aunt Harriet in this issue. Yes. And uh, this is a little, sorry, a little tangential to that. But to, in talking about secret identities, it should be a little more hush-hush and clandestine when these superheroes talk about them together. Yeah. It shouldn't be so cash. Yes. That, that is problematic for me as well. Yeah. Um, still really fun. I fucking love the Whirly Bat. 
Anytime it shows up, it only, I'm just so, so it happy. only shows up in one panel, and it's totally unnecessary. And that totally strikes me as that wasn't written in the script. It was Batman is casing the joint looking for criminals, and Neil Adams is like, why doesn't he take the whirly bat? He's taking the whirly bat, <laughs> which is his little one man bat helicopter. Yeah, that um, is like a propulsion chair, kind of. It's awesome. It's like the Mobius chair for Batman. Yes, with the f- unnecessary fin on the back to look bat like, you know. Or scalloping, you know. It's pretty great. And the, the artwork in this issue, by and large, is pretty great. Yeah. Um, I um, Neil Adams draws a great Batman. He's he not does. my definitive Batman. I think we both... We, we talked earlier, and uh, is Jim Aparo your definitive Batman? Oh, yeah. Um, he is for me, too. I also really like... I, especially, I was saying, especially when he's inked by Dick Giordano. Like oh, yeah. Early 80s Aparo Giordano Batman. It's I think it's, it's great, and I think it's also what was used for most of the promotional Batman stuff that was coming out at that time. Um, like, in the 80s... The advertising tie-ins, it just looks right to me, and I think that I was seeing that Batman before I was even reading comics about it. Actually, in the 80s, I think almost all of the promotional DC Comics art stuff is not, including Batman, is Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I really liked his book, Labyrinths. Oh, I'm unfamiliar with it. It's, it's, uh, he's a poety guy. Oh, okay. It's a different... Oh, a different yeah, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. That's not Jose Luis It's a name that sounded like another name to me. Oh. Hilarious. Oh, boy. Here's another problem I had with the fucking Eddie Haskell slash Lance. Yeah. Who the fuck thinks Wonder Girl is square? Wonder Girl's dope. She loves to dance. She loves to party. You're dancing with Wonder Girl, and that's not good enough for you, and you call her a nerd? That's oh. fucked up. Yeah. Fuck him. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Seriously. I, you know, I hate to say it. I'm glad he's dead. I'm not... I don't hate to say that. Okay. I love that how he gets a, a bust, and like... Because he died heroically. Yeah. But, uh... Like, it's never mentioned ever again in Batman nope. continuity. You never see that shit again. <laughs> no. Well... Bruce Wayne has a lot of money. Yeah. I think, I mean, he keeps that little shrine in his backyard, but I think other than that, Lance Bruner never existed. Sure. Because otherwise, I think it's got to be tough for him to keep adopting teenagers and, and if I, they keep dying. And I think the reality is, even pre-crisis, you know, which, whatever you could say, it's not canon now, if it's a Bob Haney story, it's not canon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just a, they're really fun, but... Come on. I, <laughs> I do too. I'm so glad he's back writing this. Anyway, yeah. And I know this is Brave and the Bold, not the Teen Titans regular series, but yeah. man, I love, I love Bob Haney. Oh, he, he's great. Here's another weird thing that got brought up. So, the guy from the, the what's it, the state correction department when he shows up? Yeah. To give the rap sheet for the to kid? To give the rap sheet for the kid. To narc out Lance. <laughs> this points out that as he's talking shit about the guy who whatever else you, you fucking feel about the kid. Yeah, he's a real shit heel. Yeah. I brought that up earlier. Yeah. He is also a recent orphan. It's a dick move to bring up in front of that kid like his dad died of a broken heart because what of a piece of shit his son was. Wow. That is not. I can't believe that that is medical. I can't believe it's like, oh, looks like a broken heart. Case closed. Yeah, What? Maybe you get Dr. Midnight to redo that autopsy. Ooh, Dr. Midnight. All the way from Earth 2. Yeah. Why not? That's cool. He's not busy. Well, I mean, 
He's not busy during the daytime. <laughs> Touche. Oh, man, that's bad. Is that how his shit works? He's always so confusing me. He's got, he's blind, but he's got lenses that help him see in the dark? Yeah. So. That's it. But so he can only see in the dark? Yep. I, I foresee a lot of problems with this. It's a problematic power, I would imagine. <laughs> I love your air quotes that the Thank microphone is people, not picking up. I think the mic could pick them up. Yeah. You're, I made those air quotes pretty very good. forcefully, and I think that the wind currents carried to the microphone. Okay. Yeah, it's problematic, I guess. I don't really know shit about Dr. Midnight, so I'm going to stop I, talking about it. I think him. he's one of my like least favorite JSAers, just because his shit is so confusing to me. I like his costume. He's a really good doctor. Yeah. I like that he's a doctor who incorporates doctor in his title. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> when they question the guy that they caught, who is the thug from the pipeline that Wonder Girl lassos. Yeah. And they interrogate him. Yeah. Why does he have a riddle to give them? <laughs> yeah, that's fucking Why weird. does he give up the information in the form of a riddle? That's a weird... Like, either don't well, give something up or... I mean, Batman's in the or story. Or the story. So it's kind of six degrees of Kevin Bacon from the Riddler or the Puzzler or any of those jerk-offs. Wait, is there a guy named the Puzzler? I swear to God there is. Yeah, and there's a... The Puzzler... I'm not making it up. You're is giving the me Quizmaster the... a guy? Yes. Really? think so wow okay yeah I, there's several guys who do like hey i'm gonna commit a crime but give you all the clues so you can catch me like a dumbass yeah that would make sense for stark though because stark's a weird guy yeah here's another thing about a haney story that i love <laughs> about a haney story he gets a lot of shit from people saying that he had to like wedge in different aquatic elements of crimes to make Aqualad work when he was in the comic. Oh, yeah. That's bullshit, because half this adventure takes place at sea. They really could have used Aqualad. Right. I think that Haney just naturally crams enough shit in that, yeah, some of it's going to be sea-based. Yeah. In the last two stories, there have been, like, there's been diving, there's been a ton of boat chases. This one had some angry water skiing, which was delightful. Yeah. Man, I'm just imagining, like, what if Haney had written Submariner stories? I think he pretty much did. Man, that'd be awesome. That's a good time. Yeah. If only. He's just like the super angry Aquaman. He is. With winged feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I don't think he can control whales, can he? No. I, Sometimes he rides a whale, That seems kind of vague, though. I don't think he really controls creatures, though. You don't think Aquaman does? Oh, I don't think Namor does. Oh. Like, obviously Aquaman does. I think... I think he tries to. I bet he commands them all the time. I bet they just can't speak English and he gets pissed at them. <laughs> or Atlantean or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I bet I bet he orders inanimate objects around, too. Yeah, we know he smashes his televisions all the time when he gets pissed. His shellovisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great because he has these great, like, TVs in his lair or whatever. And they'll be, like, like set in, like, coral. You know? Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, shellovision. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um I think Submariner is stronger than Aquaman, but I think Aquaman has more powers. How about Aqualad? They have the same... No, Aqualad's kind of weak. I mean... I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. Well, I mean, come on. He's like Aquaman, but does he control stuff? What does he do? It's really inconsistent whether or not he can control sea life. Okay. I think he can. He In the very early issues, he definitely can. In the later ones, it's sometimes he can. Um... I think he supposedly has the same powers as Aquaman, except for at first, 
and I got this wrong when I was first doing the podcast, in the very early Golden Age issues, when Aqualad first shows up, he is afraid of fish. Yeah. No, that's not even Golden Age. It's, is that it's, Silver it's, Age, it's too? It's Silver Age, yeah. Okay. Because I've read some of the... I've read, I think, the first showcase volume, and yeah. That's yeah, he, he was afraid, so he's afraid of fish for a while. He got over it. Yeah. I think that makes him stronger in some ways than someone who was never afraid of fish. Someone might call him a purple-eyed pussy, but they'd be wrong. They would be very wrong. He's a wonderful man. Yes. Boy. He's a wonderful man, boy. You're right. Okay. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Um... And even though Namor can fly, I think he and Aquaman are fairly balanced power level-wise. Okay. Maybe. Aquaman has a better outfit. Yeah. I like Namor's 70s outfit. His 70s outfit When he finally gets a fucking shirt and pants, (laughs) then he looks awesome. Yeah. I guess that's pretty good. He's got that nice deep V going, but I like the way green and orange look together. No, no. Aquaman's costume is dope. It's pretty tight, and he's wearing some chain mail, which is nice. Um... Yeah, let's go, let's get down to the uh, the brass tacks of this thing. So, what was your favorite slang? My favorite slang was uh, when Lance says to uh, Wonder Girl that that she that's uh, was strictly from Cubesville, baby. And frankly, I like my chicks with a little more zing. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. I like that a lot. I had that one down too. Um, I liked it when uh, when Lance is briefly pretending to be good again, mm-hmm. and. He's, like, attending one of the Teen Titans rummage sales that they have in their (laughs) civilian garb. And I believe it is Wonder Girl says appreciatively, Dig Lance, selling our swinging goodies. Yeah, he's really in the groove. (laughs) That is I think that's pretty nice. I think you had another one written down, Oh, did I? Uh, Let's see. I think it's something that Stark says. Oh, Stark says on page 17, You must be on crazy jelly beans when, like, Lance is explaining some shit to him. I like that. I like that a lot. It was so weird. It's kind of out of nowhere, but I mean, I get it. He means pills. Oh, yeah. It's a real Valley of the Dolls type thing. Oh. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Duh. Um, But no, I I like that. So uh, what was your favorite panel? Favorite panel? I think it might have been Batman Crying. In, in like the one end. of the last panels. Yeah. That was pretty good. That Neil was at the top of his uh, game there. He did a nice job uh, there. I liked, uh, it's on page 22, I liked Batman Angry Water Skiing. Yeah. I that... thought that was a really good one. And I actually really liked the scene where Bruce comes home and Dick is on the couch kicking back reading a book of John Lennon poems. Yeah. I thought that was a nice touch and it was actually really nicely drawn too. It was another Beatles reference in this uh, story as well. I missed that. But I didn't write it down, so never mind. Then it doesn't exist. Yep. There was actually one other part that I liked and it's it's up there as a panel for me, but it wasn't quite enough to even break out of the honorable mention category. But it's when Lance is trying to frame Dick for doing shitty stuff, which Batman is totally fooled by. Which, yeah. Okay. So first Lance takes a bunch of money, just money, I guess, that was yeah. lying around the house and just steals it. It was like Alfred's money, like just like general. It was like the petty was, cash yeah, for the house. Yeah. For Alfred. Was, right. And Lance takes that and Dick is like, yeah, sorry I took that. Don't know what I was thinking. And Batman's like, that doesn't seem like you, but I guess it was. The other one is the next thing that Lance does is he writes fuzz in big letters on a cop's motorcycle. Dick is like, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) I guess I'm going through a weird phase or something. So Bob Haney just went down the list of stereotypical juvenile delinquent acts 
I really like the idea of riding fuzz on a cop's motorcycle, though, because it's like it's right on the a, windshield. Of, yeah, of, but it's rad. such a benign slang for the fuzz. I guess it's vaguely derogatory, but mostly in the sense that it's over-familiar. Yeah. It, it's basically like riding cop on a cop car. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yes, that is. And I wonder if it's just like, is Lance just learning how to write or like what words mean? <laughs> Like, this is this. I wonder if they went around the rest of the town if he'd like written like wall on a wall or like bank on the side of a bank. Make a very good point. It's kind of like, you know, when in DC Comics when people rob banks and there are dollar signs on the money bag. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, like, it's, oh, it's, those contain It's pretty currency. on the nose, but it is a nice panel also just because Dick's looking really like sheepish and just being like, yeah, guess I did that. Don't know why. <laughs> right. Just a thing I'm going through. And it's then like every time Batman he brings that up, then Batman is just like, this is really not like you, Dick. It's almost like it's like somebody else who's a shitty juvenile delinquent who's living in my house. <laughs> but that couldn't be. So I really did like that panel, but I think I've got to go with Batman angry water skiing. Because anytime anybody angry water skis. Right. It's a beautiful moment for me. Did Batman ever meet the Black Racer from... Uh... The new gods. I'm sure he did. Fuck, of course. At this point, everybody in the DC universe has met everybody else. Okay. I love the Black Racer, though. He's a great character. <laughs> and I love the fact that, to me at least, it was when Kirby went over to DC. Yeah. It was like, all right, I already got somebody using a recreational sports equipment and flying through the cosmos. What else have we got? Yeah. And uh, I love how he's he not has surfing, a... but it's going to be a color and a recreational sports equipment. Yeah. So, black ski racer. I love how he has the the ski poles as if he, the cosmic being, needs <laughs> them to help to navigate space. Right. Um, because those are totally when you s- snow skiers use them to like turn and stuff. Yeah. And and you know yeah. So it's really like hitting solid objects, not the air. And also, what's with the knight's visor, knight's helmet visor? <laughs> Skiing is a dangerous sport. Ask Sonny Bono. You need to be right. well protected. But he's like, you know, Zodak from the Masters of the Universe of of the New Gods. Speaking of Masters of the Universe and New Gods? Yeah. Have you seen the Masters of the Universe movie? Yes, it's horrible. Did you know that's originally a New Gods script? Oh my god, no. Yeah. Holy shit, that makes so much sense. Doesn't it make total sense? Skeletor is written as Dark Side. It was originally, like, the script for the Masters of the Universe movie was a script for a New Gods movie that someone had submitted, and they just changed the names. Oh my um, god, all the teleporting? Yeah, it makes it a tubes. much better Holy movie. Holy shit, they're teleporting ER boom tubes! Yeah. The Jesus teleporting Christ. is boom tubes. That little dwarf guy is Oberon. Is He-Man Orion? Yeah. Fuck! My mind is just shattered right now. I this wish you could amazing. see Nicholas's face. I did just shatter his mind. Wow. So, back to the matter at hand. Serious matters. What do you think Aqualad's probably up to? Um, I think he's outscoring some sweet, sweet skag for Speedy. I don't think that's the sort of thing Aqualad would get up to. He's a good boy. Well, you know, everybody has their... Even a a sweet boy like Aqualad. Possibly Speedy could convince him that it was nothing illicit because Aqualad is, if nothing else, gullible. But I do not believe that that is what Aqualad is up to. What I think Aqualad is It's just a theory. I think that during this issue... Aqualad is shadowing the Teen Titans. He picked up a lot of eavesdropping habits from hanging out with them, specifically Robin. Great eavesdropper. Yeah. Have they have they and met the Hawk and Dove yet? Yes. Oh, okay. That's yes. right. 
And I think that during this issue, Aqualad is shadowing the Teen Titans, and he was the person who was holding Batman afloat while Robin waited for the copter. I think that he was the person who helped Robin onto Lance's boat Hmm. after after Robin was knocked off of the oil derrick. And probably... I mean, that air hose could cut a person in half. Okay, okay. I think he probably had some kelp that he used to help bind the wounds that he had mm. his pelican sidekick, Beaky, bring oh, to him I forgot about from Beaky. farther afield. Everybody forgets about Beaky, possibly because I invented him and he doesn't exist. Oh, okay. I was trying to hang. Do you see what I did there? You did a nice oh, job. Oh, man. It was, well, it, it was well-intentioned, and I appreciate that. I didn't forget Topo, though. Who could forget Topo? Love Topo. Topo, for those of you listening at home, is Aquaman's octopus sidekick. Yeah. Good guy. Also, Tusky the Walrus. Oh, shit. Like I, him, too. Yeah. I love how every, every, literally everyone in the Magnificent Seven of the Justice League has an imp. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Yeah. I can't name all of them. But you got the big ones, uh, Mr. Mixtapiddle. Uh, oh, yeah. I love Mixius Piddlick. Uh, you got uh, Bat- Batmite. Um, you got Quisp. Oh, love Quisp. Quisp mm-hmm. is great. Quisp might be the best imp of all. Mm, he's up there. <laughs> no. Martian Manhunter has one, and I can't remember its name. Okay. In the Bronze Age, Flash got uh, Mopey in a story that has been deemed non-canonical because they decided that the lightning that struck him and gave him his powers oh, was yeah, magic yeah, yeah. and shit. Yeah. Which actually makes more sense. Yeah, in it that does. It, it makes... It's somewhat plausible that the accident was recreated for Kid Flash, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I kind of like it. Sure. Even though it's, people say no. And... Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Oh, maybe she doesn't have one. Uh, Green Lantern. Oh, has Merwidden. Okay. The guy that, he's an evil wizard and he's in the world that's inside the ring. Huh. It's strange. Fair enough. But Merwidden's pretty cool. Maybe Wonder Woman doesn't have one. Egg Fu isn't an imp, so no. No. He's just a terrible... And Etta Candy is just just her pal. I love Etta Candy. She's pretty great. This is such a tangent, but isn't it fun? It is, indeed. To get back to the matter at hand... (laughs) I'm sorry. It's quite all right. Aqualad helped save Robin's life, pushed him back up onto the boat, and probably could have saved Lance's life, but had been eavesdropping and knew enough to say, Hey... He had a good run at the last 10 seconds of his life, okay. but fuck that guy. <laughs> and I'm thinking maybe Aquaman, why didn't, why wouldn't we, or Aqualad, why didn't we see him? He's just feeling a little shy. He is, and I think he's feeling a little bit dissed by the team that he's been babysitting this whole time and nobody's checked on him or tried to go to Atlantis. Yeah. And that, my friends, is what Aqualad is probably up to. Okay. Who was your favorite Titan, huh? Oh, good lord. My favorite Titan. I'm tempted to say it was Lance. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> But I am, in fact, going to have to go with Robin. Really, I, almost by default, the Titans don't get a lot of airtime in this one. It's mostly a Batman and Robin-centric issue. It really issue. is. But you see a different side of Robin, and in contrast to Lance, Robin seems pretty likable. And I like the fact that he's reading a book of uh, John Lennon's poems. And if you look at the poetry that John Lennon had published up to this point... He'd had a couple of volumes published. Yeah. Neither one of them was called John Lennon's Poems, which right. is what the book that Robin is reading is right. called, which makes me think that he had actually used Batman's billions of dollars to buy one of John Lennon's journals at the time, <laughs> because it really does look like he's just reading somebody's diary. Which is um, not implausible. I, I mean, think it's pretty plausible, and I think he probably had it autographed. And I think that is why, in this issue, Robin is my favorite Teen Titan. And okay. you? In this issue, 
Wonder Girl was my favorite Titan. Yeah, why is that? Because she's a strong, independent woman who doesn't take any shit. You're thinking of Friday Foster. No, I mean, she was really... Are you thinking of Black Black Coffee? No. I love Black Spike. Are you thinking of a different Pam Greer movie? I'm not. I swear to God, I'm really thinking of Wonder Girl. Fair enough. She was really not taking any guff, and she was cool and hip and happening. She took a little bit of guff. But she no, but she fired back when people were giving her guff. She didn't fire back when Lance was giving her guff when they were in the club. She thought that I would oh. zing him if I could let him know that I was Wonder Girl. But she could have, as Donna Troy, just you know, given him a chop to the guts. Yeah. Okay. I so still... she took some guff, but you're right. She didn't take very much guff. Okay. I think that's fair. Okay. But I, she was my favorite Titan of the issue. I'm glad to hear that. This has been The Brave and the Bull number 83. Thank you so much for joining us, Nicholas. For people who want to get in uh, in touch with you and hear what you're doing over at Comic Reflections, how can they do that and where? Well, the best place... I mean, we're on Twitter and, and Facebook and everything, mm-hmm. but um, iTunes or Stitcher are the best pa- platforms to check out the podcast. It's Silver and Bronze Age talk, mostly. I'd say if you're going to check it out, uh, check out some of our most, most, more recent stuff, see if it's for you, and then maybe work your way back. But yeah. Okay, it's a great suggestion, and really, do yourself a favor check out comic reflections there's a huge backlog of it he's uh, nicholas has been extremely prolific with his output and it's all really good stuff yeah definitely make sure that you check it out thanks up no problem thank you and thank you for joining us today. thank you so much for having me on anytime this has been uh, teen titans wasteland we've gotten some really nice emails lately and i really appreciate it and please keep them coming i'll answer them as as quickly as i can but you if you'd like to get in touch with us ttwasteland at gmail.com would be a great way to do that. You can check us out on iTunes or Stitcher or our Tumblr page. And uh, yeah, if you feel like leaving us a review on iTunes, that would be a nice time. And most importantly, tell a friend just to help spread the good word. It's been a lovely time. Thanks for joining us, Nicholas. Peace and farewell. Enjoy. Enjoy. And they knew it.